So friends, this evening, we, as I mentioned, are doing a pastor's Q&A, a time where you get to ask anything under the heavens. Can't promise that I will uh, have all of the answers or even a answer, but I love being able to hear what it is that is on your hearts, uh, what you are pondering, and it actually helps me uh, in crafting what this service of worship could look like. Where is it that the Holy Spirit is leading us as a body of believers? So this evening I will take four questions and then I'll read some scripture and we'll close our time together. So friends, what questions do you have this evening? Yes, Stan. So let me repeat the question back to you to make sure I understand it and for our live stream friends. So you've been reading the book of Acts and you've been surprised by all of the things that the apostles are able to do, namely the miracles of healing. Uh, and so your question is, why don't we hear more of those stories uh, in, in life today? Or um, is that your question? Yeah. And um, that is a great question. And my answer to you is um, we may not hear a lot about those stories because the world in which we live in is focused so wholly on the negative. However, I believe that miracles do still happen. They happen every single day by the power of the Holy Spirit. They might not be these grand miracles of I'm going to lay a hand on someone real fast and miraculously they're healed. I think more often we get so focused on looking for the big miracles that we often forget the little places, the little miraculous things that happen each and every day of our lives, each and every moment even. And so I believe that you can easily find the power of the Holy Spirit and find miracles everywhere you look. Unfortunately, we live in a world where the media and the mainstream ways that we receive information are focused on things that are, are not about good news. So I challenge you over the next several weeks to look for the places where you find glimpse of good news glimpse of miracles, of everyday miracles. And if you string them together, you might find that it 
adds up to something majorly miraculous. Yeah? What other questions do we have? That was a good one, the book of Acts. Any others? Yes. Hi. What's your name? Barbara. Barbara, I'm Marissa. Oh, yes, our memorial garden. Yeah. Yes. Amen. God. Yes. 
Barbara, thank you so much for sharing your voice and for sharing your moment of miracle today. Uh, that fits so well. And praise God for earthly angels and for answered prayers. Barbara, we are so glad you're here. What other questions do you guys have? Ah, so um, Fred's question is that in the biblical narrative, in I believe the Gospel of John, Jesus says that the only way to the Father is through me. And so Fred's question is, what about our brothers and sisters who are Jewish, who are also God's children? And this is a question that I will be honest, I continuously grapple with because it hits so close to my own, own life. I know what scripture says, right? We all have read that scripture. And I also know the person of Jesus that I have come to know in scriptures. So I hold both in, in tension. And I, continue, I don't have a good answer for this yet, or if ever. But I'll share with you where I am. And I believe that... Um, I believe in a Jesus of radical grace and of radical inclusivity, right? And the biblical narrative gives, paints us a picture uh, of who Jesus is. And we also see a Jesus who is on the cross who offers um, a chance at the very last moment to someone who the world would deem as unworthy to enter into heaven. I believe in a Jesus who offers grace upon grace upon grace and a God who welcomes all, no matter who they are, no matter what they believe. Um, don't believe this answers your question fully. But I believe in a God that's much bigger than the box that we tend to put God in. And that there are multiple stories. There are multiple um, experiences. And so I trust in that God. I trust in the Jesus who welcomes all, no matter where they are um, in their life journey and in their faith walk. So that's my halfway answer for now. And I invite you to continue searching and to continue asking that question over again in scripture and through prayer as we work together. All right, Melissa, I think you had your hand almost raised. When did it first strike me that I would answer the call to ministry? Oh, that's a great question. So I believe I have felt a nudge toward some type of ministry back when I was uh, a young girl, even in high school, where I always wanted to be at church. I wanted to be at youth group. 
I sought every opportunity to be involved in leadership, involved in the praise band. I didn't want to leave. And so I knew at that moment that God was doing something within me, and I wasn't quite sure what that was. But even at that moment, I was committed to being within the church in some capacity. And so as I went off to college, I continued saying yes to different opportunities that um, allowed me to pursue what leadership looks like. And over the course of continually saying yes to those opportunities, it became very apparent that um, I wanted and felt called to ordained ministry in particular. So I can't pinpoint an exact moment where I decided I'm going to answer this wild call. It was a series of yeses that as I walked and stepped through doors, it became ever more clear and apparent to me that there is no other place that I would long to be than right where I am. So thanks be to God for open doors. All right, I will take... One more question. Chase, are you working on something over here, friend? Does anyone else have a question while we're waiting for Chase to finish typing? All right. Oh, that is a great question. Chase asked or said, I'm new to this denomination, and what is the role of the bishop? Well, Chase, that's a great question. The bishop is uh, sort of the pastor of pastors over the, this, what we call annual conference. So it's a geographical area of Florida, and he um, provides leadership and spiritual guidance to all of us. Uh, and he works alongside a cabinet, a group of people called district superintendents, to help guide the life of the whole church in Florida. Uh, so the United Methodist Church in Florida. Just as Steve and I are pastors of this congregation, Bishop Berlin as the spiritual leader, the spiritual guide for all of the Florida conference. And so he uh, spends a lot of time traveling to different churches to preach. He'll be here at 
on October 15th, right? He'll be here on Sunday morning, October 15th, to preach to us uh, and to be with us. So we get to know who he is. Uh, and he does travel to lots of different churches all over the state um, to be a shepherd to God's people here in Florida. Does that help a little bit? Yes. He does lots of other stuff, too. We could spend all evening talk about, uh, talking about what the role of a bishop is. But in a nutshell, that's what a bishop is and does for us. And if you want to meet Bishop Berlin, come on Sunday morning, October 15th, because he'll be preaching on his book that he wrote that we will be starting a sermon series this Sunday on. So it's, we're very excited. The bishop is coming. The bishop is coming. <laughs> so friends, uh, in your bulletin, I have... Um, there is a scripture from Second Samuel chapter 6, and this is one of the very first scriptures that I fell in love with. And surprise, it's from the Old Testament. Uh, but I first heard this one of my first nights stepping into a United Methodist Church as a sixth grader. And at youth group, uh, we had this wonderful praise band, and I had no idea what I was stepping into. But as I walked into youth group and was invited to their worship moment, there seemed to be a mosh pit of sorts of a bunch of middle schoolers and high schoolers up towards the front dancing kind of wildly. And I thought to myself, this can't be church. How, how is this church? And then we read this scripture. So hear these words from 2 Samuel chapter 6. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed um, Obadidam's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Adam to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Could you imagine what that looked like? David, King David, dressed in his kingly garb, dancing like a fool. So, David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside and the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. 
Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the son of daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted, saying, I was dancing before the Lord, who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. May I act even more foolish than this, David said. That was the motto I lived by my time in youth group. This idea that we are invited, that worship could look like a grand party, like a grand celebration for our God, for all of the wonderful things that God has done for us, all of the little miracles that we have seen along our way, the moments where we are touched by earthly angels and reminded of God's presence. Why wouldn't we dance for joy? Why wouldn't we exclaim shouts of praise? So friends, as we enter into a time of true celebration, a time of sharing and a meal together, I invite you to think about and to rest in this excited and exuberant spirit that God has given to each of us, to be unafraid to act a fool before God, because we trust God. And we are thankful for all of the ways that God is with us, that God provides for us in all the days of our lives.